one thing that interests me is um, your take on the world growing up with parents who are, I believe, both uh, Tai Chi masters. Could you talk a little bit about how that influence um, your childhood or your worldview, you know, growing up in a household like that? Sure. Yeah, it was. Um, oh, where do I start? It was. It was. Uh, it was not only that which influenced me, but it was my mother's Welsh. So I went to the kind of the British International School for the first few years of my uh, schooling before I switched to Norwegian school, and we moved to the countryside in kind of this. Um, valley just outside of Oslo with a relatively low population so that I think actually influenced me quite a lot which was we ended up in this valley with maybe three four hundred people living in it and we were a family <laughs> uh, people with uh, kind of my parents were doing unconventional stuff right it's like my both of my parents were Tai Chi teachers, so it was uh, we were sort of the odd ones out in some sense. But uh, yeah, I, I can. It's hard to say exactly how it influenced me, but it did for sure have a have an impact. Like, just re remember. Uh, visiting Tai Chi masters, staying over at our house, and kind of being immersed in this mix of cultures, which was both British, I had Japanese friends growing up, and Chinese Tai Chi masters coming to stay, and kind of this really rich culture that I was... Uh, exposed to um, throughout my upbringing and and playing with these practices kind of never really like seriously practicing them you know it wasn't like forced to uh, Yeah, I could go into that. But I'm I'm curious where, like maybe you have some more specific uh, things you're after with that question. I was wondering, Beata, if following on from that, like, were you engaged in kind of traditional games growing up in Norway, like for example, football or? athletics um and and did did the sort of the internal practices that you were exposed to at home were they in any way do they in any way influence your your experience of of those traditional kinds of games or or this the schoolyard mucking around kind of activities did you in, in a way sense that there was 
already developing some sort of different awareness of your of your body and your the way that you moved uh, as a child in relation to other kids and other peers growing up yeah it's an interesting question uh th there are two things that stand out to me kind of when you when you ask that question one is that i i was pretty shit at football like i was at the, it, it was a painful experience in a in a country where like football was the thing you were supposed to be good at and i i wasn't really any good at it and i don't know exactly why that was there was like some awkwardness some performance anxiety and then but i i think also like uh that the Norwegians had a bit of a head start on me because I went to this British international school for a few years and then I kind of came in a bit late and was was a bit clunky. And so that that's one, <laughs> one aspect of it where it didn't feel like it really, didn't really enhance my experience so much. But I remember like this, the few times where I actually got in fights in the schoolyard that I always seem to kind of end up just yeah submitting this other guy and ending up in a position where i was kind of yeah he he was incapacitated or he, not incapacitated in the sense that he was unconscious but he just couldn't there was no 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 more moves for him to engage in So, so there was a sense of, uh, I could handle my body well in an, in a physical encounter with someone else, but then there was also this sense of inadequacy stemming from my experiences with football and team sports, which kind of still haunts me to this day, actually, in some ways, which I'm, I'm confronting in, in, uh, in, uh, should I say small doses, manageable doses? I, I almost feel like ball sports and then contact sports dealing with another human are very different sides of the spectrum. I'm probably the opposite, <laughs> you know, of you, but it, it's interesting. A lot more complexity in let's say a, a martial art dealing with another human um, that's removed when you're, when there's rules set in place and constraints where you don't really have to worry about those things when you're uh, doing the eye hand coordination with just the ball. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, it's just a totally different ball game to use. A, <laughs> a nice fun. Well done. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> So I should squeeze that one in there. But yeah, it was it, it, yeah, totally different. And like there are there are things now that I'm like I feel very masterful at and just they they come very easily to me. And still there are other things that are just really difficult to do still. Like throwing a frisbee for me is like hard. And it's when I discovered that that was really difficult for me and like that there's this whole identity around 
oh, I'm, I'm like this movement guy, so I'm supposed to be good at everything related to movement. And then I really suck at Frisbee. There was a bit of a crisis, you know, like in, in the moment, there's like, fuck, they're all seeing me. Like there's this shame involved and a, an unraveling of identity, which I've, <laughs> I've been engaging with and it's been quite interesting and uh, humbling in some ways. Yeah, I think uh, you, it just made me think about the idea of sort of bodily awareness versus the actual practical application of, of, of being that person that has the body awareness and ought to be able to have awesome control and, and, and balance and coordination when it comes to new things as well. But it doesn't always go hand in hand, right? What, 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 what would be sort of your, 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 your idea about, about the carryover from a very deep internal awareness of, of your body in time and space versus the actual um, maybe acqu acquiring new skills or at least being a part of, uh, of an activity in, in, a, in a team situation or in a relationship uh, situation? Yeah, I think I think there are several things going on in in relation to that. I I, th I suspect that my capacity to pick up new skills is uh, quite high, and simultaneously, there's a barrier. Like there's this when there's a a sense of suck when I engage with a new skill then there's also like this well there's the kind of the, the famous beginner's mind mindset which is interesting to encounter in that way from from being used to having a very high level of mastery in in a few domains of movement and and then coming to terms with the reality that I'm like that there's a an eight-year-old kid that's like way way better at me better than me at this skill and then like the hurdle that starts to present which is then results in overthinking which is I think I think that's one that I succumb to quite often like is if I start really thinking about it and that I, that there's like a level of performance behind it or that I should live up to a certain standard, then my performance invariably declines. Like if there's an attachment to having to do it a certain way, or if there's like something, some part of my identity at stake, Yeah, it's almost like a, a paradox like the gift of success and talent and the identity you have of being at a certain level just makes things that are hard relatively like a lot lower <laughs> and a lot more challenging to experience do you have any any practice you do that combats that because i think it's it's very common especially among 
athletes. That combats the kind of level of the the shame and the 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 mind kind of being hyper aware of your inadequacy. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's it's like what I'm engaging in now, which is revealing it. So it's it's like I'm not hiding it. That seems to be the most effective way to deal with it. Which is like I'm not going to try to get rid of it or like try to pretend like I'm not feeling shameful or like like I'm above uh I'm like I'm also like into this I'm I'm some I kind of I work with people in uh in a very connected way and I work with consciousness and then well there are all of these ways which I'm I'm also limited as a human being and and there's a way in which that part of my ego wants to be above that so like there's um like there's fear in me now just saying that like oh that sounds very arrogant like parts of it like how i'm portraying myself but it, it feels like there's all these different levels of my identity that are that are sort of showing themselves and that if if i engage with them in in a way that i I suppose that they're wrong or like that there's something wrong with the way my experience is presenting itself right now. And that seems to feed into that cycle or into that spiral of shame and, and the compensation I perform to avoid feeling the shame. And then when that very invariably gets exposed or falls apart, then it's like falling back down into shame. And so as far as a practice to to deal with that i think that's that's the deepest practice there is like it's a real it actually feels like a real opportunity more and more now that i have more space to hold it in myself and when i come up against those and I, i'm like oh yeah that isn't actually it's not actually me that that's at stake here right it's a part of my identity and that's painful when that gets exposed. And that it's an opportunity to face that and to alchemize that and to to integrate that and to to become uh, more humble, I suppose. Something like that. It sounds like it, a process of holding space for yourself, which sound, could be difficult. I mean, I know in your workshops and what you teach, it's very important to hold space for others. Um, could you explain a little bit more about what kind of work you're doing in these groups and what you're teaching? Mm-hmm. Yeah, at the moment, I'm actually working more uh, one-on-one, although I, I do a lot of group work also online during this time, the pandemic. And uh, yeah, well, holding space. There's, 
yeah let me there's something there's something about like holding holding space that presumes that i can like i haven't quite quite find found the full clarity on what that really means yet actually because what what i do is i hold myself like i hold myself and i make space for myself like first and foremost because if i can't do that like there's there's no way i can actually be in real contact with my environment so it it seems to be seems to be what i what i actually do is like i hold space for for my for what it's like to be me in that moment and i actually drop into what my body feels like and i open into the the sensations that are showing up so like what what's actually happening on a physical level like what's the embodied experience of being me right now and am i yes to that or am i a no to that at some level like where where is it where is it uh where is there friction where is there blocks and 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 when i tune into that there may be some blocks or tensions that can release like oh i noticed that and i can just kind of soften into that and then that leads to a more full experience or there could be other tensions that sort of are more resilient and don't really want to let go and and then the practice is being okay with that so i think that's where it really starts but if i'm going to go into what what i uh what my philosophy is or like how i guide people i guess that's the foundation for that but but what i what i really offer people is a container which you could say is a space that i hold where where they can be and they can explore themselves and we explore we co explore what it's like to be real together and what's really here and like what really happens when we let go of what we think should happen right now like when we kind of let go of this projection onto what's happening here and how it's supposed to unfold and what needs to happen and like what other different dynamics and and energies that are kind of moving through us like what happens when we just see that so there i i guess there's like a there's a an assumption that everything that really needs to be seen is already here like it's just here and if we listen closely enough we can tune into that signal and and then that will reveal something could you give us a like a taste of one small prompt or exercise or you would do to access that 
Yeah. Well, it's sort of what I'm doing right now. It's, it's this, it can start with an inquiry into, oh, what's, what's it like to be you right now? What happens when you pose that question? So what's, what's the lens, what's the filter through which you view reality? Could be one or like what's the, what's the embodied experience of you right now on a sensation level? Like what's, what's moving in you? What quality are the sensations like? Like, is it hot? Is it cold? Is it tingling? Is it numb? Is it painful? Is it pleasurable? And then just making space for that, whatever it is, and softening to, to the experience. And then I would say also, like there's a there's a noticing of where where is my attention so is my attention more out in the external world like is it more with you now come like looking at looking at both of you and noticing what it's like like noticing how you're appearing and then it could be kind of coming more back into myself and all uh, right there's, there's this experience happening here too. And how can those meet? Like, like what happens when we actually tune into our external reality, which might just be the room one's in. So like the space around, like this room I'm in, the top floor of my house, with a computer in front of me, a microphone here. I have two beautiful men on my screen. Like, what's, what's that like? What's, what's here then? So I suppose if there was if there was one, one prompt, or like maybe two, there would be softening, softening to experience itself and listening, like not just with your ears, but like listening to, to what's being revealed. Yato, what's, um... What's coming through to me right now is this this idea of space you mentioned this almost this kind of discomfort with this idea of holding space or what what that concept actually entails and it it almost feels to me now that that, that in a way when we're when we're allowing for this space to to take place and to soften into this space in a in a almost in a group in a group setting then then we're seeing that that reflection of of that softening within us 
uh, within the own internal, our own internal sense of space at the same time. And I, and I think, I think it's a very humbling thing to do because we're always trying to attach our sense of, of identity towards filling that space with some sort of, some sort of knowing and some sort of from a from a coach or a teaching or a therapeutic realm it, it becomes some sort of imparting knowledge towards others as if there's some sort of end goal in mind rather than i guess from a, a purely Taoist perspective of just rejoicing in 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 what is what is here right now because it is complete in a, in a way and i think that there's something very beautiful in that mystery that sort of that paradoxical space of 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 allowing space for others but in a way you're you're you're, you're allowing space for yourself at the same time and 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 i and i really resonate with with the way that you're trying to in a way you're not trying to explain because it's not really there to be explained it's more to be experienced in that in that moment and uh and i think um yeah i think your work it certainly resonates with a lot of what dj and i are doing with the emptiness project we we are certainly trying to to hold that arena open but we're stepping back from our own sense of self and our projections of who it is that we are and what we know and what we might be able to to share or to teach you have any thoughts about about that from your perspective as a as a teacher yeah yeah i i love that 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 resonates a lot with um with what i'm doing i believe it's like this The sun is shining into my eyes. I'm going to do something about it. Action. Action linked to awareness. Not just feeling sensation, but acting upon it. Ah, that is nice. Ah, that's better. Yeah. What it puts me in touch with, yeah, I, I love I love how you actually sum that up. It's funny how I feel now. I feel like a bit of a different person after doing that, after just moving the curtain. Um, there's there's this, yeah. What I what I what it brings me back to is like how this process really started for me, which was peeking through the veil of reality, which is, is not really, it's like more of a reverse peeking through into consciousness perhaps and seeing that everything I thought was me was like this made up thing. It was like this, it was based off, off of expectations other were, others were having for me as a person and like what what they wanted or what i imagined they wanted and then a lot of my actions were based upon that 
So there was like the stripping away of that. And then as that, that got stripped away, there was like this space that opened up, which seemed to have like a will of its own in some sense, but it wasn't, it wasn't from my mind. It wasn't like, oh, I'm thinking, I'm having this thought that I want to create Dao move or I want to create this new path of life. It was like, no, I'm, I'm letting go quite deeply into unknowingness, which was, was quite, a, quite an extended period of time in actuality. But then there's this movement that seems to also happen. And, and I think what I'm more interested in instilling than anything else is that ability to drop into that space. It's like to, to soften into being, but then also to step into being. Like, cause there's a, there's a, there's like this relationship there. And we often think, I think we often think of it as uh, like, well, the mindfulness movement is all about like witnessing, like, like becoming aware of what's happening in the body. But then another level of that is, well, what, what do you do with that? Is it just like to ground yourself and then you go back to your normal mode of engaging with the world? Or is it, is that a mode in itself from which you can engage with reality? And that's an interesting question for me because as I dive into this rabbit hole of that, of that practice, there seems to be really no part of life where that's not applicable. Like where every moment has the potential to be this meditation on reality on me and my relation to it, how I'm meeting it, like, and how I'm navigating through it. So, so what makes me say these things I'm saying right now? Like, what makes me choose to say it now? And it seems the more I have a trust, the more I have a trust in settling into this, this place of being and then letting myself be moved into action and not holding back that emergent impulse. Like if I can, if I can both be aware of what's, what's happening and allow what's happening through me, then there seems to be something new that can emerge. There's this richness to experience, which isn't per se comfortable, but it's, it has this different, different texture.
I don't know if I covered everything you. Maybe there's something. I'd like to dig a little bit into that. Um, the the idea of every opportunity being uh, the potential for a, a meditative process or just using life as it comes to drop into that. There's, there's people who might um, be have the fear that that would cause some sort of inaction or some sort of complacency in their life or reduce their, their goals, ambitions, passions. Do, do you think, do you think there's truth in that? Is that a potential downfall? Do you think there's things you need to counter? Do you think it's, that can become a neuroticism going too far in one direction. Um, do you feel those competing energies? Yeah, they are. Like it, it's it very much is experienced to me like this razor's edge that I balance on. And I often think of it as like this polarity so there's like there's there's uh, maybe collapse and complacency on one side, and then there's rigidity and posturing on the other. So like there's there's too much softness, or there's too much hardness. So you could call it like there's too much holding back, or there's too much pushing, or like wanting something. So it seems to, to, to really balance on this raises the edge. There has to be this willingness to shift. Like every moment is new as it's revealing itself right, right now, like now there's, there's this moment here. That's like, well, am, am I really here? Like, and am I, am I alive to this moment as it's here? And I can feel the moment coming more alive as I'm like zooming in on it right now. And, and there's something possible from here. And if, if I think that being present means just sitting still and meditating on my cushion, then yes, that is definitely going to be, well, that that seems obvious to me that if that's that's the association with that, then it's going to be a, a sense that that's not enough unto itself. But it's actually a really complex question you just asked, and it goes. When, whenever someone asks me that question which is a question that actually comes up quite a lot. It, it's not always a straightforward path to the resolution of it. Like what, what is, where is that question coming from? Like who is, which part of the identity is speaking that question? And what's the assumption about that mode of being that's underlying it? So in a society where a lot of a lot of uh, the incentive is geared towards performance and production and 
being effective, there's, there's going to be a bias towards that side of the polarity. Like those, those people will be uh, rewarded in some sense for that. And those who are holding back and are too complacent, they will be punished. So what I think is necessary is like this ability to be moved along that continuum of softness and hardness. Like there's a time and place for both of those. So for, for me, like there's more of a bias towards the softness. So to to move myself into action is more of the challenge and not to kind of just be uh, collapsing around in some sort of fake surrender, which is, which is the risk that you think that, oh, I'm just, I'm just surrendering to what experiences is showing me and I'm just being present. But there's the seems to be this additional component of really stepping into what seems to me more and more is the soul, like this soul quality, which is I don't I don't think of as like this entity or something that's necessarily immortal or anything like that. Although who knows, it could be it's like a contact with this place where things feel meaningful things feel alive they feel rich they are beautiful and yeah i i think we need to be willing we, we need to be willing to practice both of those but as as a whole it seems like we're we're struggling more with just the being present just the just the simple being aware of what's happening and not so much the action. Yeah, I love that answer that it's, it's relative to the person. It might not be the same path to deal with that. And it made me think of it. I saw a study where um, it was addiction trials with psilocybin and they had people coming out um, discovering that maybe they were taking their, it was a seated, uh, seated meditation, but their meditation practice, they were actually addicted to that and it was becoming neurotic. And they, but the funny thing is they got that insight from actually becoming more aware and zooming out even more to see that, you know? So it, it, they just had to keep going <laughs> deeper through the door to the other side. But is that everyone's path? I don't know. Um, well, I think I think I think there is a progression to this, which is there is a hierarchy to this in some sense, which isn't like a linear one where there's like there's one that's uh, better or worse than the other in a sense of uh, value, but there's 
there there are plenty of uh, studies in, into this, like, well, what's the qualitative shifts in experience that happen? So you have the work of Robert Keegan with the levels of, uh, with adult development theory, where kind of we progr progress through these stages of complexity and kind of what, what are we identified with? So what we call, like what the task of adolescence is, is to move us into kind of the socialized mind where we're, we're interacting with our reality and where and our and our and the people around us and we're forming relationships and there's a there's a dependence on these relationships and that's really good like that's a really important stage to form these relationships and and have dependence and and kind of um, feel pain when anything is threatened or like when, when people don't like us or like that, those are so, some of the qualities that define that stage. But then if you stay there, if you stagnate there, then that's, that's sort of this, uh, it can become pathological. So the next stage after that is the self-authoring mindset, which includes all of these relationships and connections, but you're not basing your sense of identity off of, off of your relationships. So that's sort of what comes up a bit as you, as you speak about that kind of, because it's, I think it's really connected. It's, it's like, what do we identify with and why are we doing things? Like, what are the reasons behind? Like, why do we feel we need to achieve something? Like, what's behind that? Is that, is it just like, oh, I feel really alive and I, I and I, and moved and inspired to create this empire or whatever whatever it is we're creating or is there some contraction somewhere in the identity that's leading to it that that's what i'm interested in which isn't doesn't necessarily mean that that's what everyone should do or be interested in but <laughs> yeah there, there is, there is, there is a sense that we could uh, all benefit from having having more of that meta awareness in our lives, as a society as a whole. For sure, like as like times are a bit chaotic at the moment, and there's like a vast split of opinion and there's like a really seems like we're really struggling with holding different perspectives like seemingly irreconcilable perspectives 
and there's a lot of emotion and there's a lot of acting out and and there seems like the there's not much there's not much hope hope of resolution from that place so do you think most people are putting their energy externally on voicing concerns trying to change other people do you think this internal practice maybe maybe some hard shadow work looking in um, is is maybe the only way culturally through this uh, conflict we're having it seems yeah I, th I think shadow work is definitely important and especially if we define shadow work as like asking a question like what are the ways in which in which I'm reinforcing this split or this conflict that's happening right now like just within myself like you don't necessarily have to be a big co contributor to it but there's way in which we feed like we let ourselves be moved through these quite strong dynamics which emerge like which at the start of uh, the pandemic in the lockdown there was like this i i felt that too like there was this sense of i need to know everything and this kind of scramble for in, for information and then there's like well why am i doing this and and it was out of fear but the fear was sort of in the background it wasn't like oh right i'm i'm afraid and there's something i need to take action on there was like there's like fear in the back here and it's sort of got its hand into me and it's sort of manipulating me like a puppet so yeah that shadow work i think is is tom is back that shadow work is integral to to being able to stay grounded in ourselves because i think well, let me stop rambling for a bit and kind of bring it back to what I think what I think is the most important capacity we can we can develop right now in my opinion is like this ability to hold hold different perspectives without agreeing necessarily with any of them but just seeing them and seeing ourselves in relation to them like what's happening in me as I'm relating to these different perspectives. And then choosing, <laughs> choosing to act in a way that's aligned with our value system, not to be taken over by outrage and kind of these more, 
more primitive parts of our brain, which are less equipped to to really make sense of the territory we're in right now. That um that reminded me of what you said earlier about this kind of progression of stages people go through um, and how you need to go through one to get to the next one. And it's a necessary stepping stone because when I look at things I'm get emotionally reactive to or triggered by, it's usually from something, a, a belief that I had previously that I shed and I have this need to like carry other people with me past it where I am. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, that ability to say, you know, that you're seeing yourself in someone else and you're seeing a place where you needed to be and maybe they needed to be. And maybe in the future, you'll have a different reaction or outlook on it. And to just hold those things with that view zoomed out of, um, it just removes an absolute good or bad, you know, it's, it's just a, a journey someone's on. Yeah. And when you tie it to the whole journey, you would never want to take that away from them. Um, no, no, there's, there's a, it's really hard to say that, that something is, good or bad into itself like who's to say that Trump being elected in 2016 was bad like it's I think this quote is attributed to uh, the Dalai Lama but I don't know if or I think or Gandhi or someone I, I think it's the origin isn't either of them but it's I think it's, uh, I'm paraphrasing now, but it's to understand, to understand everything is to forgive everything. And there's a sense that like, if we really see why someone is like acting in the way they do, like why society as a whole has turned out the way it is, there's a sense of compassion I think for how incredibly hard it is to be human and what a, a magnificent thing society is and like how fragile it actually is also. Like it doesn't, it wouldn't take much, like it just took this pandemic to, to show us all like how, how fragile it really is. So I sort of lost my thread a bit here in my uh, half asleep state. No good or bad. No good or bad. I was thinking about these stages, um, Beata, that we were talking about before DJ and I, we often talk about the way for guys, especially, um, I guess a lot of our respective work is relating to guys and younger guys and their struggles and suppressing a lot of, a lot of emotion from, from childhood, from adolescence, from, you know, that 
that real struggle to sort of develop a sense of identity and to be to be wanted and seen by the opposite sex often and 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 then we we often default into physicality as a sort of a as a way out or a way to sort of avoid a lot of that discomfort distress trauma that we have growing up and and we we really dive deeply into our physicality and then you know we do our different practices and maybe we achieve certain certain merit in that but then it often becomes the stage later on where we actually dip back into our inner self knowing that there's a lot repressed there that that the movement in a way is just masking and 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 in a way the body is is that great sort of lens upon so much hidden emotion and so much memory from from childhood and i wonder if you had any um experiences that you could share from from the way that your that your body is often housed a lot of that pain and a lot of that struggle and uncertainty uh from from growing up as a as a young man and into into adulthood uh, now with responsibilities and that sort of thing and the way the way in which we actually get from this stage of of avoidance we 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 go into the body as some sort of some sort of guide in a way to our to our psyche and to sort of deeper recesses of our of our soul yeah i like i like what it feels like when you ask this question like what it's pointing to like what i what it seems like you find important also yeah where to begin with this one there's there's the component of the body storing storing the trauma or storing the suffering we've gone through that's that we haven't been able to process and what seems what seems to happen and what what i notice in the people i work with what i notice in myself is that there are these survival styles that branch out of these contractions to contractions to certain parts of our experiences and that has to do with i think the nervous system which is has a certain capacity and if there's if there's a certain could be a violation or there could be uh, just a just a breach of the capacity like that you've you've moved beyond the capacity for too long and then you haven't been able to release release what you've uh, been in like that can manifest as freeze that can manifest as 
digestive troubles it can manifest as a flat facial affect it can there's there's all sorts of ways these traumas can influence the body so you have shock trauma which is like this uh single single trial learning essentially it's like when you encounter when you hurt yourself it can be physically it could be emotionally it could be whatever there's like something traumatic that happens and it's it kind of goes into you and you're and you haven't been able to release it afterwards then it it shows up as a sort of trauma or some sort of uh, restriction in you that you're not able to be with so in many ways shock trauma is a lot easier to deal with than the other other kind of trauma which is uh, developmental trauma because that really ties into identity and it ties into kind of different adaptive survival mechanisms you're you've taken on in relation to your parents in relation to friends in relation to school whatever work so with shock trauma there's in some ways it looks similar in the body and it's held as some sort of nervous system activation or uh, inhibition that that we're not or yeah like one of my body one of the body workers i i've worked to, worked with um he called it like an unfin unfinished movement like it's a movement that never got completed so um you could look at an animal an animal who has been uh attacked by a predator and maybe it's like right <laughs> it's given up all, all hope and it's in a deep freeze and it's essentially in a death preparation it's preparing to die and it's it's just the nervous system has just incapacitated it for the moment and what happens when in the unlikely event that they do escape that very dire situation is that they they kind of they run they, they progress through this they kind of move up the hierarchy of uh towards safety again like through fight or flight and then they kind of they shake off like this excess tension so either they fight first or they they run in most cases it's running right and then and then there's a sense of the body does what it does with animals they don't have like this complex uh neocortex which is inhibiting that natural response due to uh misunderstanding of what it really means like oh you're possessed by some demon or whatever the fuck with attributed to that that normal response of like shaking <laughs> shaking it out like we want it looks scary so we want to stop it or like oh i'm looking i look weird now so i better stop that 
so there's there's a level of or like oh i better not feel sad or i better not show emotion which it often is for uh, the young men that you mentioned like it certainly was like that for me i i, I was super sensitive and and shut down at a certain point and then it was like oh this is good i don't have to feel feel this very vulnerable emotion that doesn't feel welcome anymore and and there was a sense of like relief with that where before it was like i would watch uh what was it land land before time or something and like become all weepy and emotional at certain part, parts of the movie and then just like oh shit i better <laughs> i need to hide this otherwise <laughs> i'm gonna be a trapped, little foot right yeah man so it was i can't even remember what happened but i, I definitely remember little foot but there was and that at a certain point that just cracked open when i when i confronted that deeper the deeper pain that was there on a real level like actual pain in the body actual fear and everything that was all the safeguards that were put in place that were stopping me from going there so there, there was a there was a relief with that this the absence of that of that feeling but there was also a huge loss that happened there because i wasn't really there you know like there was part of me was there but a huge part of me was not and i felt that there was something like there's something missing here something missing so yeah that's that's been a big part of my journey is like recovering that capacity to feel to to be with to uh, to be okay with being me as i am now however i am showing up and and i think that's really important So, yeah, I, that, that process of excavating, which isn't something that you have to go do in one sense. Like you might need some support with it because like there's a reason, like if whoever's listening or any hypothetical person has avoided something there's probably a reason for it and it might it could benefit with some support but it might be a, it might be that you could do some of that work on your own you know like just with simple meditation embodiment practices that bring you into your body that bring you into contact with the emotions that are there which might come at surprising times and like there's nothing what what seems what seems to be true is that there's nothing you need to go search for it's like well just be just try to be and try to notice what it's like to be and have compassion for how hard that is for for all of us and for you it's like well yeah that that's 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 hard 
it's hard to be. But if you can do that, you're just gonna encounter it because it's there and it wants to be felt like it's it's showing up in all of the situations most likely in your life like in in our intimate relationships in in work with our friends like there's there's so many complex things happening there and if we have good friends and if we have good relationships those relationships in themselves can be containers to to feel what needs to be felt and to work with what's yearning to be felt what's yearning to be reintegrated that's such an important reminder just just having compassion for that seemingly simple idea of of letting go and and being yourself because i mean at least from my own experience that's it's something you'll you'll hear in the new age a lot of new age spirituality practices just let it go and just be present but man that's a hell of a that's a hell of a daunting practice when, when there's, when you have a lot of stuff that you're confused about why it's, it's, it's arising and, and what's led it to, to manifest itself in these ways at this point in time in my life. And then suddenly to have someone telling you to just breathe and just to let it go. It's like, that can be extremely daunting. And I think at least from, from my experience, that's something that we need a lot more humility uh, around as, as, as teachers and as guides and, and in a way people that are holding space for people that have God knows what sort of trauma and, 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 and pain held in their bodies and, and are simply looking for um, I think maybe just, someone to listen to 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 them express that in whichever way that they're that they're expressing it and and at least it took for me it took my work with the plant medicines some years ago to actually understand what what that means from a a physiological and and a psychic perspective is actually just to to not have any any option but to surrender and just to have to release to the the, the the pain and the trauma of what I was going through in those in those deep deeply uh, <laughs> traumatic experiences, and then realizing at the end of that 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 I'm I'm held and I'm safe, just as I am, and and to be able to 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 embody that, I think has given has given me a different lens upon which I can offer more compassion towards other people who are who are perhaps struggling with that uh, very same question as well as how how do we let go yeah yeah i think that's that's a really important thing you're pointing to which i recognize 
uh, or just just makes sense that for some people, simple meditation practice may be too much. Just sit still with what you're feeling. I'm like maybe that's not even what you're meant to do. You know, like a lot of people struggle with meditation because it's like um, they sit down and it's like overwhelming what they encounter when they try to just sit still. And 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 for some people it's great. Like for some people it's amazing. So it really depends on someone's history, like what they need. I, I needed Tai Chi. Like when I turned 18, I kind of uh, went into more serious practice with my mother. And that's, that's what sort of was part of unlocking it for me was moving with it. It's like a, it's a moving meditation on, on in one sense, because you, pay real exquisite awareness to all of the movements that you're making and you're letting yourself be guided by sensation a lot although there's a real there's a real structure there and there's a there's also a delineation and a and a holding of context which is well something is wrong and something is right which i think is also also is is good on one level but moving with it is for some people much easier than it was for me and it's interesting how you talked about like the the plant medicine experience you had where it's like you're okay now like you're coming face to face with it there's there's no running away from it <laughs> like you're in that container now and well I, I assume you can try to run away from it but it's it's not really going to work so for some people i imagine that could be really helpful and uh some people might want to work up to it i don't know i'm not i'm not an expert in administering those ceremonies to others at least Bjarte <laughs> uh, you it seemed like the model you were using with the nervous system is kind of like Stephen Porges's polyvagal theory where you, you the animals they move up this phylogenic hierarchy of you know fight or flight to safety and we have this immense ability to socialize and feel safe with others. Um, and a lot of that is physiological. So, you know, if you're not in that safe place or you're stuck in freeze, thinking through it or cognitive behavioral therapy may not be um, all you need to move from this place. And I think you talked a little bit about body work and moving meditation. Are there tools you've seen that have been effective of helping people, you know, change places or, or move through this? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. There's, I think like there's a, there's a wide range of modalities that deal with uh, 
this exact issue which was used to like we used to try to deal with it by understanding it like well let's excavate someone's past and understand everything about them and then once they understand it they'll be able to move through it but that's not the case in a lot of cases in some cases maybe that's enough but like what what we actually need to do is feel feel what it's like to be us and and that's like feel the feel the pain feel the lack like the sense of lack like where is where where do we feel lack in our life and what's it like to actually stay with it because we often just look away from it or it's like something that's just really hard to look at normally when we come come to come to these things so practices that are are great for that i think like there's if there's someone looking for real solid therapeutic work i would say the nam model neuro neuro effective uh, relational model i think that's the acronym and uh they have a really good model for how to how to work with people and which is based off of uh Stephen Porges's uh, polyvagal theory which is like holding that holding that openness to who's sitting there it's, it's not like well we can't try to cram them into this box and like well this is the process you need to go through like now we need to talk about your mother we need to talk about your father and like and we need to kind of understand all the dynamics there but like that's for sure useful uh well not for sure but it can be useful but it's not useful if it doesn't lead to some resolution and the resolution has to happen on an embodied level because our reality is we live in an embodied way we can't avoid that presence only happens in an embodied way like if we're not present to our bodies like how how can we be present then so i think we're kind of coming to that like as we're understanding all of the ways the complex ways our psych our psyche is connected to our bodies and i think polyvagal theory is like a really important piece of work that connects that that kind of provide some scientific underpinning for ridding us of the body mind dichotomy which is not served us very well well it's, it's a misunderstanding that comes from a certain way frame of viewing the world but it's it's not sort of dishonoring the body and the role it plays and that sort of ties into what I'm what I'm super interested in and like where I'm I've been thinking a lot about how <laughs> how our society is like uh doing this like how it's creating people that serve a certain limited purpose and 
who are obedient in a certain way, which was useful during the industrial revolution when things were simple, like the tasks that were, uh, the tasks we needed to perform were simple, but now like what we need is not that. Now we need an ability to live in an embodied way and to be able to see ourself and to hold our embodied experience with compassion and others embodied experience with compassion. And do you see uh, a role for maybe some of the more traditional Eastern wisdom practices um, in contemporary society today, like there, it seems to be the opposite we're witnessing now of this kind of authentic relating that we're seeing played out now. People are kind of getting all mixed up. They're, they're unable to relate to themselves. And of course, if you're unable to relate to yourself, then how are you supposed to relate to your, to your brother and your sister and your community? And, and I think a lot of the, the beauty, at least for me in these Eastern spiritual traditions is that is this, in a way they play with this paradox of, of gaining a deeper insight into a sense of self, which, which in turn gives you that reflection upon your part of your, your, your beingness as part of a, of a collective, as part of a whole, as part of nature. And I think, yeah, I guess my question is how in your experience of, of Taoist practice of Eastern practices, how in a way can we, can we kind of move forward as a, as a society um, when we're facing such, I don't know, we're facing such discontent and, and disrespect and, and lack of, of empathy and lack of listening and yeah, purely a lack of, of embodied awareness into, into, the present situation, let alone grasping after the solutions that may or may not be in front of us. First thing that comes to mind is realizing that we actually don't know how to do that. Like it's a problem we don't know how to solve. And in some ways, I think that's that that's potentially the most important realization we need to have. Like we, we don't know how to do it. Like, we like to think we know how to do it, but we really don't. Like, it, it's not, it's not as simple as it seems. Like, reality is 
complex the systems which give rise to this incredibly well-oiled machine which we're reaping the benefits of every moment with like this internet which is connecting us and lights that are illuminating my house and the food in my fridge which is being kept cold which is from all over hopefully mostly from the Netherlands but probably from <laughs> a lot a lot of different places um, so yeah well how do we move through this is is the question we need to ask without expecting that we arrive at an answer immediately because there's like this it's easy to to succumb to the need for certainty because we want certainty because the unknown is inherently scary for us as beings like the unknown is was not it's like this terrifying and um, threatening place potentially and uh, yeah so so how do we deal with that on an embodied level I think is is what we what we can uh, become more skilled at and if the Eastern kind of embodied practices contemplative practices have something to offer I think they do um, Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, I don't know. Is the honest answer. I, I'd like to think, like I like to think that I know. I like to pretend that I know. And I think, <laughs> I do think that I do have a lot of. Uh, <laughs> potential solutions to some of these problems but who knows i might be shown to be mistaken about that although i suspect that some of them are are on the money although and i'm also pretty certain that a lot of them are not <laughs> um Is it systemic systemic is issues where we're dealing with and they've lifted us out of the dust like they're not simple constructs and messing about with them has unintended consequences always So what's needed? I don't know, man. It's, it's a really good question. I, I like the question. And well, can, can we be 
can we can we step out of these like I, I, I'm, I'm a bit into uh, some of the I don't know if you're into rebel wisdom and, and some of the the dialogues that are being have there had there I love I love the game B idea like well there's something something else there's something else out there hopefully that we can discover that's not what we're doing right now but in the model of these kind of uh, expanding <laughs> expanding uh, perspectives or expanding identifications like that's probably happening at a societal level also so potentially there's some great leap or some discovery that we can make or some co-creation we can enter into when there's enough people that are able to engage in discourse without the discourse being derailed by cancel culture or people feeling offended or individuals traumas like maybe that's like one level well we need to have discourses where that's not happening maybe the next level is well we can include that very very skillfully like by extremely skillful individuals um but yeah i'm i'm a bit think a bit out of my depths with that dealing with that question can i maybe reframe the question into with all your experience um your internal practices the eastern philosophy into how do you approach um raising your daughter is there any gifts that you would like to provide her to deal with the world or to be a part of society uh, and you know just just to parents in general mm. who have children yes definitely what what i hope for her as much as possible is that she kind of retains contact with her uh essential nature or you, you might in kind of use less fluffy terms you might call it kind of intrinsic intrinsic guidance so i think what i suffered a lot from was being deprived of that like i had a massive curiosity curiosity for the world and i wanted to learn and that seems to be the default state of children like my daughter is like she's just like a sponge that just like wants to know about everything and when she knows something then she moves on to the next thing and it's not as interesting anymore but it's like she'll she'll keep on repeating the behavior or uh repeating the learning experience until she's got a certain level of mastery of it and I think what the gift I'd like to give her is that she gets to do that. She gets to explore. She gets to explore the world on her own terms as much as possible. And then there's also the danger that I 
<clears throat> that we would not set enough boundaries, which is then, that's also not a good thing, right? So, yeah, I want, what I would love for her is to know, to know the rules of the world. Yeah, I'd like for her to know the rules of the world and to, to learn them well enough that she can let go of them. And hopefully that she can go through that process without losing too much of her self in that, although that will surely happen to some extent as she meets reality. And then, yeah, there'll be less work to integrate that later, less, less of that chronic self-doubt and dissociation from who she is. The less of that she has to feel, the better in my book. Well, on that note, we'll, we'll let you put her to bed. <laughs> um, could you tell people where they could learn more from you? Yeah. Um, downmove.com is my website, which is, uh, does not have a lot of information, but it's spelt D-A-O-M-O-V-E.com. You can sign up for my newsletter there, which is a good way to stay in touch and to kind of be uh, be in contact with with the work I'm doing. And uh, there's also an online course I'm creating, which which might be a, a small part of that solution, like my my attempt at a solution which is i think reintegrating people into their into their bodies and into contact with this soul energy with meaning and into a practice of presence which is all encompassing which is like emptying the dishwasher which is reading a book to your child, which is noticing what it's like when you're scrolling Facebook. It's like actually staying grounded in, in body. That's, that's my, yeah, that's what I'm most passionate about helping people with. And then everything that happens on that journey to regain contact with body, which is a, complicated and counterintuitive journey oftentimes. Matt, every time I talk to you, <laughs> it's, it's such a pleasure because the, the experience you're describing in the practice, it, it like, I, I bet Tom agrees. It sucks you in and drops you in just listening to you and, I don't know when we put this up, I recommend watching on video, but yeah, just sitting with you across the screen, um, it, you could feel it and it's a, 
beautiful experience. So thank you again. Mm. Yeah, thank you, Bian. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, it's been great to be here with you guys. Thank you for your presence too. It's been 